It's raining. We're wet. Let's get serious. Welcome to Bitch Face. I want listeners to know that we're in a very professional recording studio right now, which might be why we sound a little bit, you know, stilted. Right. <laughs> yeah. We're wearing ties. We have our business attire. Uh, I'm wearing a three-piece suit. We're the new news women of the new millennium. <laughs> Let's hit this. All right. I don't know. I kind of liked our DIY studio from last time. Yeah. Last time we were in like a very, almost like an abandoned, sort of been there for hundreds of years and mm-hmm. it was kind of Bedouin. <laughs> we had to peel away the like branches of orange. Yeah. And <laughs> now we're like, we're in a studio with a lot of framed awards. Not our awards, but the Society of Zero Professional awards Journalists. The Mark of Excellence Award. So we're trying to channel excellence here in the studio. Yeah, which is easy for us because that's what we do. We're excellent. All day, every day. And in the same way that we're moving between these different studios, it's a way in which many people navigate the world. Moving back and forth from identity to identity is something that we are always doing consciously and unconsciously. Definitely. It's pretty fun to do it consciously, though. I think we're both kind of into that. We had a recent experience... (laughs) Uh, with conscious alter egoing. We did. There was a party at my house when everyone was encouraged to, it wasn't just like coming in drag, it was like come as like some other version of yourself that like we haven't seen before or that like maybe even you don't know. Like just Though other... most people came in like the basest drag. <laughs> the basic, <laughs> which most basic yeah, drag. Exactly as I expected really. Yeah. A lot of dudes in wigs and dresses acting like morons. I had a penis that you could drink red wine out of. A spectacular dick. Dripping a lot of red wine around that party. Sorry about that. <laughs> Which, I mean, it's interesting that when given the opportunity to have a penis and have people sort of interact with it, that my initial instinct was to like be the worst dude ever yeah. and like force people to suck my dick. I know. I mean, I think that's like the thing about a drag party and that was sort of what I was wondering if it would happen. And it did, was thinking like, People will, yeah, just sort of tend to act out the most obvious, most reductive, most, yes. I don't know, kind of like the least interesting. And also in your case, or like in the case of acting out masculinity, I think like the most toxic masculinity. Yes. Or... There were like a lot of sort of whiny females. Ugh, there were. Ugh, so annoying. Pretend females. Uh-huh. Dudes doing their worst, their best worst impressions of yeah. women, which is pretty. Though not everyone did that. True. You dressed up. Yeah, for me, like, I, when Explain I really... Explain your costume. I thought about it for a while. Like, I At first, it was a drag party, so I was like, oh, I'll just I'll be in drag, and then it became became a gender fuck party. The, the party planners changed it. So then I thought, like, it's more fun to sort of dress somewhere on the spectrum, but eventually I just sort of decided that rather than go more masculine and act out aforementioned masculinity, I would rather just go the opposite direction. So I went towards the more feminine end of the spectrum, which for me is really not how I normally... I mean, I felt that I was like very much a different persona. Yeah. With like long hair and nails and false eyelashes. The nails were getting lost everywhere. Yeah, the nails were pretty annoying. Like they started <laughs> falling off. The nails and the eyelashes started falling off. Hyper femininity is pretty annoying. Before. Yeah, really. It really was. The say. hair, all of it was just really like, how do you eat anything with hair? I don't really understand. I like that we, in this episode today, are going to be exploring sort of like a whole range of 
the ways in which we sometimes change our identity, like from doing it to be free or to have fun to like doing it out of necessity. And also some some of the stories I think are somewhere in between those two things. Definitely. The first person I thought of when we were talking about alter egos was my friend Kyla, who I know um, has an alter ego named Belinda Julep, who hosts a variety show every month called Smoochin' Cuties. Smoochin' Cuties. <laughs> yeah. Still can't say it. So Phoebe and I went to Smoochin' Cuties this month and checked it out and got to hang out with Belinda Julep afterwards. Do you want to smooch me? Sure. Oh, that felt good. First smooch of the day. It's always nice. Oh, wow. It's pretty late in the day. I'm surprised. Yeah, well, I spent most of it snoozing. So, uh, you know, tidying up the place, had a couple dozen cuties over last night for a real smooch drama. So the thing about smooching cuties is it's just like the inside of my imagination. Like you go through your day and you're like, what if this? What if that? Like what if this was the thing? What if that was a thing? And I just like put those things on the show. Like yeah. and that's how it really started. Is like smooching cuties was just a thing I used to say all the time. And I was like, well, what if smooching cuties was like a thing? Like what if that's what I called the show? And like what's in my butt is on the wheel. And <laughs> what's in my butt came from like one day I was just like walking through Broken and I was like in a shitty mood and I was just like, ugh, like grumble, grumble, like everything's awful. Like, and I was like, what is even wrong with me right now? Like why am I being such a bitch? Like what is in my butt? And then <laughs> and the rest God. is history. <laughs> and, then, well, no, and then I was like, what? Well, I started saying it to myself like, what's in my butt? <laughs> what's in my butt? What's in my butt? <laughs> exactly. And I was like, that should be what's a game. What's in my butt? Like, that should be a game. And like, I made it up as a game. And then when I started the show, I was like, well, obviously I have to paper mache my butt and like have people reach inside. Uh, I mean, obviously. Is that, is that your butt? That is. Here's, okay. here's the rules of the game. I don't remember what's in here, but there's a bunch of stuff in the butt. All right. Okay. Now, you're going to go in there and feel around and pick something out, right? Okay. Feel the prize, guess the prize, win the prize. Are you ready? I feel like I'm uh, exploring uncharted territory. You're definitely not. <laughs> what was the impetus for inhabiting Belinda in the first place? Where, like, where was she born? Um, Belinda came from two things, kind of. It's like I started smooching cuties in uh, Halloween of 2013. was the first episode. And I hosted as like, you know, an onstage, like crazy puppy version of myself. And that was so fun. And the show really started like, you know, it was a group of my friends that I was doing it for in the back of this bar and the crowd just grew and grew. But every time I would have like this massive panic attack before the show, you know, about just like, oh my God, I can't do this. I'm so stressed out. I'm not funny. I don't have enough jokes. What am I going to do? And of course it would always go through and be fine. But I don't know, five months into doing the show, there was a one like massive attack where I was just really like, I am not a comedian. I am not comedy. Like I have no jokes. Like, I have no ideas. I'm not going to go on this. I was just like, I'm fucking, I'm not going to do the show. Like, I'm just not going to do it. Like, fuck, like, if I don't show up, there's no show. Like, too bad, fellas, you know? Like, I was like, nobody cares if I do this show. 
And but then like my friend was the one bartending and like she would get in trouble if like the act didn't show up and she wouldn't, you know, make her tips from people coming and like, you know, just like then I could never do it again. And so I was like, all right, like, fine, I have to find like some jokes somewhere. And I just like started flipping through my old notebooks. And in the margin of one of them, it said, um, one day I want to host a variety show and my host persona will be called Belinda Julep. And I was like, oh. Belinda will host the show. <laughs> and I just like read her name and like immediately knew who she was. Who's Belinda Julep? Where'd she come from? You know, it doesn't matter. Uh, all you need to know is you're in the right place at the right time to have a good time with yours truly, Belinda Julie. <laughs> Somebody write that one down. So like there's the whole thing with the rules that I give at the top of the show and like that's the cheesiest part of the whole thing but those are actually three like goals I made for myself a long time ago. Okay. Easy shit. Rule number one, we only do things that are fun. Uh, and that's just because I like to have it. Belinda Gulp's been putting the fun in the funny since 1978. Uh, rule number two, we don't do things that aren't fun because why the hell? Uh, in rule number three, we create as much joy as we can for the people around us. And then we, we smooch and we laugh and we play and we win games and we do prizes and we just have a real whole bucket full of pals. Okay? Give me a little more, kids, because you know it's hot. Everybody needs to be on the same page, same core principles, right? And then, like, with my theater background and, like, educational theater especially, it's about, like, getting people to access information in different ways and like getting people to buy in on different levels. Like you have to have a little something for everybody and like different things are gonna make people feel in it, you know? And smooching to me is a really like comfortable common thing. Like I'm, I'm fine doing it with friends or strangers and like my family kisses as affection like all the time. And so it's not foreign to me, but like I've realized like that's not true with a lot of people, right? Like some people yeah. don't like to smooch and so you can't like make people kiss on the mouth like if you want to kiss on the cheek that's fine if you want to kiss on hands or air kiss like that's fine I want to know if the show has ever devolved into just like just everyone just smooching all over the place well uh, yeah I shouldn't like, say devolved evolved evolved, evolved sorry <laughs> well that was the biggest change in the show when Belinda came about was like it went from my friends watching Kyla do this wonderful like cool special show right and it went from that to they were like oh you're pretending like we want to pretend like you're being this like silly person. Like we'll be, we'll play silly audience from that night too. Like all I did was put on sunglasses and people were like, oh, that's not Kyla. So we can smooch her. And like, that was the first night somebody like fucking like mouth kissed me and like dipped me back. Like people like smooched really passionately when they got like smoochers choice. Like, yeah, I want to yeah. see that. Like, yeah. We got to keep coming to these. Smooching <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So like Belinda changed the show. Like, completely like she's totally like I think a classic psychology like mask right you know right, she yeah. makes it safe for me to say and do things mm -hmm. and be like oh just kidding you know that, but that wasn't me you know even though it is um do you think that the longer you do Belinda the more Kyla will become comfortable you Kyla will become comfortable doing and saying outrageous things yeah a little bit I think so and definitely you know when I moved to California and started doing this show I started kind of having the impulse of like maybe I don't need this mask anymore like maybe I want to host just Kyla yeah. Um, and but Belinda's so fun. But, so. She, but she's so fun, and it's so fun to do. It's so freeing, yeah. and um, definitely like I slip it into like my everyday life sometimes. Um, <laughs> like when, which is a good litmus test, like with new friends or whatever. You know, if I like <laughs> yeah. let them hear me, just like if they don't know about Belinda, I'm just like, oh, yeah. let's go get some pancakes. It'll be delicious. My treat, sweetheart. Let's go. I mean, who who's not into it? <laughs> yeah, like exactly. And just but, someone's like, what'd you just say? I'll be like, never mind. Please leave. <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> Do you sort of think of her as a friend now? Like maybe not a friend, but she's like, you know, the little, not a devil on my shoulder, but something. She's like a little Belinda on my shoulder. Got it, yeah. <laughs> so like you're in a bar, like you see a cutie across the bar. You're like, what would Belinda do? She'd be like, go on, kid. Go, go give it a shot. What do you got to lose? <laughs> go lock eyes with him for five solid seconds. Flash him with pearly whites and call it a day. <laughs> you know, and I'm like, all right, Belinda. <laughs> Fine. <laughs> I love it. And that's how I met my wife. <laughs> <laughs> the end. <laughs> When we put out the call for alter ego stories, one of the first responses we got was from my friend who wrote to tell us about the summer she worked as a professional submissive in a piece called The Unicorn. This is the story of how I wound up in the penthouse suite of the Hyatt Hotel in Huntington Beach having sex for two days straight with three people I hardly knew. Where does this start? I've always been good at my job. It seems like you can get a lot of traction anywhere, from marketing to ghostwriting, out of being eager to please. There's something about letting yourself fulfill someone's desire, with a careful compliment or a well-placed fact in a conversation, that means you don't have to worry so much about figuring out what you want. The subbing started with Roxanne and Jack. We met through OkCupid, where they had posted a profile together. There were no photos of the two of them, just the suggested description of a position they were looking to fill. They wanted a pet, a young polyamorous bisexual girl who would be interested in fulfilling their sexual fantasies. It was a strange and wonderful idea that someone would submit themselves so fully to the fulfillment of another's sexual proclivities to the point of discomfort, pain, and even humiliation. Maybe I could do something I'd never imagined doing. Eventually, my curiosity got the better of me. I responded to the ad. As it turned out, they were a fairly normal and attractive couple who lived in one of those Orange County complexes where you can never find parking or your way out. I would show up once a week after dinner and undress. On weekends, we'd go out to burlesque shows and they would take me to kink-centric parties where I'd publicly perform the role of their pet. There were new terms for this hobby. I found out I was what some people call a unicorn the mythical, flexible, bisexual woman who will join a couple's relationship and cater to their sexual whims with minimal emotional friction. The anonymity, the freedom that that kind of subbing allows, let me push myself to my limits and then go home. I held the memory of restraints and blindfolds and being held down away from my daily routine of reading and making tea and going to class. Having a secret sex life is like going to a meeting wearing a butt plug having a dirty little secret that no one knows about. It's exciting, and it lets you give yourself the allure, or illusion, of hidden depths. Through Roxanne and Jack, I met my beautiful sugar mama, who we'll call Kathy. A former Playboy escort and hockey star's wife, she had collagen-plumped lips, beautiful fake tits, and the Orange County house to match. Roxanne and Jack took me to a lingerie party at Kathy's house, where we instantly clicked. She liked to walk around in four-inch heels and a thong and be admired. I was happy to comply. It turned out that Kathy's master had a birthday coming up. Kathy was tasked with finding two young bisexual women to join them for a two-day romp. He showed up at the Hyatt on a motorcycle and immediately blindfolded the three of us women. 
The feelings of pleasure and control rolled and broke in so many different directions in that room. He wanted Kathy to watch. He wanted me to hold his six-inch knife. He wanted the other woman to come. She wouldn't for him, but would for me. He took off my blindfold and wanted me to look at him. It wasn't attraction or interest that locked our eyes together, but the absolute transparency of what was at stake. He demanded the power to manipulate our bodies, to surrender our capacity to make decisions, and even whether to orgasm. In some ways, the kinky expression of secret fantasies still revolved around male desire. The male desire to control the terms of feminine sexuality, and the female sub's responsibility to maintain her own boundaries. I gave him that power, but only conditionally, within the constraints of that room and my agreement with Kathy. When it comes to submission, there's a fine line between what is self-controlled experimentation and what is a kind of self-destructiveness. After all, a desire to submit is never really just that. There's also a desire for recognition, to be recognized as the best sub, the most flexible, the most self-effacing, the one who makes the most sacrifice. You give all the power to someone else, to someone who's only interested in your capacity to submit, to submit until you have nothing left for yourself. Your master can grant you your existence or withhold it with a single word or a pat on the head. Kathy always said that the sub has all the power because the sub can always choose not to submit. But sometimes what feels like a choice isn't really a choice at all. Sometimes being the best sub isn't the only thing that you want. This is an excerpt from our fave new podcast produced by Kara Hart. It's called The First, and it's stories of first times. This first time story is of Joe Farragher performing in drag as Pickles for the first time. In that moment, it was so thrilling. And I just had this like aha moment where I was like, I don't know when, but I'm going to do that. At some point. All I have to say is hide your puppies and put your dogs away. Give it up for Pickle, bitch! I'm Joe Farragher, aka Pickle, from Los Angeles, California. I work at a LGBT magazine. I do marketing there during the daytime. And then much like a deviant superhero, except with no superiority, I am a drag queen, um, or drag princess, starting out, really. When I was nine, I was, I was a very, I was a very eccentric child. I, I often think that I was a better child than I am an adult, like, you know, I was built to be a child. Kind of, I I loved Mary Poppins and The Sound of Music. I alternated watching them every day. <clears throat> I would watch either The Mary Poppins or <laughs> The Mary Poppins. I'd watch either Mary Poppins or The Sound of Music, although I never made it past the intermission of The Sound of Music, so I didn't, I didn't get to the Nazis. I had never really gotten into drag before. You know, the best thing is that, you know, we were... We were in makeup. They and so we went over to my friend's house and we just, you know, got into drag. We had never really done it before. Like I had never really gotten into drag before. 
and it was just like this cloud of like makeup powder and like you know like right like our girls girlfriends like doing our eyes because we didn't know how and like putting on lipstick and like you know rifling through the, all the cover girl and like Maybelline that they had and, and going into the closet and like trying to find a dress that like would stretch over my body and like you know and we were all just it was like six of us and we were just getting ready and just drinking vodka and like and like just having a really good time and getting and getting all powdered up and you know we looked like shit you never feel more beautiful, in my opinion, at least in my experience, than the first time you kind of do it, even though you kind of, like, look like shit. So we all put on our heels, burst into the night, and paraded over to um, Brie, the lesbian's house, or her dorm, and, like, we showed up, and we're like, we're doing a show! We were moving, she was, like, so excited, um, because she loves drag queens, and there were, like, four of us, and we... <laughs> Again, we looked like shit, but we were, but you know, we felt beautiful. And so we like moved the couches and we <laughs> turned up the sad little speakers as high as they would go. Like no one could, could barely hear the music. <laughs> so sad. Um, and we were like drunk and like wearing these ridiculous sort of just H&M dresses basically. And we all like did a number and I did... Uh, it's such an eye roll it's, it's it's almost a little too much. I did Roar by Katy Perry, because it was the only song that I really felt solid with the lyrics. It wasn't like some grand empowerment moment for me. <laughs> like, I wasn't thinking about it. I was just like, well, what do I know? And so I did Roar. I'll say that I think it was probably empowering to watch. Um, <laughs> I'm gonna go out on a limb. All that to say, that's the first time I did drag. Next up is a piece called Code Switch, written by Diana Vega. There is panic. Well, that might be too harsh of a word. Let's try this again. There is trepidation. When you walk into work on Monday into the break room and your white coworkers turn to you and ask with earnest, Diana, what did you do this weekend? You pause for a moment. You debate with yourself. Do you tell them the truth? That you went to the grits and biscuits party on Saturday night? No, because then you would have to answer the questions. What's Grits and Biscuits? Well, it's a party where they play down South hip-hop all night. What does that mean exactly? The quizzical stare. How do you explain that you like to party to ignorant rap music from the 90s and the aughts? That you swag surfed with a thousand of your newest friends? What's swag surf? It's, it's, uh, never mind. It seems too complicated, too revealing. A chip in the protective mask that you put on every morning before you face the world of white folks. What did I do this weekend? You smile. Not much. Not much at all, you know. What did you do this weekend? Pivot. Always pivot. 
the code switching is in effect the hiding pieces of your true self because it might cost too much to reveal, well, your true self. The code switching is finding the other black person in the office and forming an obligatory friendship so that you have someone to eat lunch with where you can drop your G's and let out a long girl when you're talking about the craziness in the office. The code switching is elevating your voice by an octave to make them feel more at ease, more comfortable, so they don't think you're too threatening, too angry. The code switching is knowing when to turn on the sassy black woman to make them feel more at ease, more comfortable, so they can say, oh, Diana, you are so funny. The code switching is sitting in meetings where white people are being slightly racist, overly racist, all the way racist, jokingly saying things like 50 cent instead of 50 cents. And you are sitting there wondering if you should say anything or will you be viewed as too sensitive? You search the room as if there is a trap door where you can escape. But escape where? This is the way of the world no matter where you go. You will always have to hide a piece of yourself. The blackity black shit you do. The fraternity and sorority parties. The boule and the cotillions. The Black Lives Matter protests. The HBCU homecomings and its weekend of shenanigans. The house parties, the grits and biscuit parties, the henny palooza parties, the bourbon ball, the fish fries at your mama them, and the cookouts in your homie's backyard, how you and your partner ran a Boston on them fools, I, I mean those fools, in the spades game, how you whip in the parking lot blasting Biggie or Currency or Jay-Z just to get your mind right for the day. It is enough to drive a sane person in Saying, this always adjusting of the mask, worrying if it will slip, constantly having to put super glue on the cracks, your face, your entire being frozen into what they want you to be. When can you ever truly be yourself? Only on the weekends, I guess. Get ready for a message from Bounce Queen, Big Frida. I am the one and only Big Frida the Queen Diva, your best believer, the international superstar representing from New Orleans, Louisiana. How I got into the bounce game was I started backgrounding for Katie Red, who was the first transsexual male to come out with bounce music in about 1999. I started to grab the mic one day at a block party, came up with a few lyrics, and the girls just went crazy about it, and magic happened. My name is Freddie, so one of my friends just was like, girl, we gotta give you something a little bit more girly, and came up with Frida. And from that, you know, everybody started calling me Big Frida. I was doing it and doing it and, and getting little gigs and hustling all around town. I used to be a, a shift manager for Burger King. I also was into nursing, so I worked at all type of nursing homes and hospitals. I did my little work. 
And then it was just like, okay, we got to do something to make this official. And once I decided that I was going to become a full entertainer, I said that I was going to be the hardest worker in bounce music. And that's what I did. In all bounce. In all bounds, I'm that queen that'll make you bounce. In all bounds, in all bounds, I'm that queen that'll make you bounce. And just that alone, it just gets me so excited and bubbly in the inside. Queen Diva, she about to explode. My fans, of course, prefer she. People who's close to me, they say he because they know who I am. Me, frankly, I don't give a shit. I know who I am. I'm Freddie, I'm Frida, I'm boy, I'm girl, I'm whatever you want me to be, <laughs> okay? That's just the way it is. You can call us day or night. We want to hear from you and your alter ego. Confess your double life. What's your secret life? Call us 406-28-BITCH. 406-28-B-I-T-C-H. You've been listening to a badass Canada and NYC-based jazz band, all girls, called jazzbras.com. This is an excerpt from their song, Passive Aggressive Feminism. You can check out their music at jazzbras.com.bandcamp.com. There's also a link on bitchfacepodcast.com. Where we have info about all the stories that you heard today. Thanks for listening. Bye, bitch. Yeah, yeah, yeah.